the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier, coming to you from the iHeartMedia studios in Houston. On two full cups of cocaine cold brew. (laughs) Just cold brew. Don't give them the wrong idea. Well, I feel like I'm on two full cups of cocaine right now. Okay. We're going to do this. Ready? Go. Well, I'm glad you're listening. (laughs) This is going to be interesting today. Um, You're going to say your things, right? Yeah. We recently did a podcast where I drank four cups of cold brew and I was told to never do it again if I wanted to remain married. Oh, you were so annoying that night. Um, (laughs) So why are we here? We're here because we're sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Uh, We have a wonderful detox followed with two years of aftercare recovery support. Uh, We have an outpatient wellness clinic too. Uh, We offer in-person recovery coaching, virtual recovery coaching. We offer IASIS, which is a form of microcurrent neurofeedback. Um, We we have so many amazing things that we offer, some forest therapy, Christian counseling. And so even if you're not a drug addict or alcoholic, or even if you don't need our detox, there's still some other services that may fit what you need or to help you have a more full, healthy life. Um, And so you can give us a call, 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or visit either one of our websites, uh, www.mhdrp.org or matthewshope.org. And as usual, you are listening to us not live on a Sunday at 1 p.m. in the H on KPRC 950. We should do a live one sometime. I don't know if that would go. Well, we we don't really cut it, so we could do it. Um. Yeah, so if you want to listen to us live, you're not in Houston, just download the iHeartRadio app. It's a free download, and KPRC 950 has a channel. You can listen to us Sundays at 1 p.m., and then at the end of the day, they roll our tape on up to iHeartRadio under the podcast Relevant Recovery Radio. You can go listen to all 121 episodes. I think there's a couple of uh, redos in there. No, we that doesn't here, count. Here, but oh, so we've done 121 we've done, individual. This episodes. is 122 today, and that's episodes we've actually done. That doesn't count weeks we've taken off. Somebody made a horrible decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. A, we're not the only idiots. Like yeah. there's other idiots that I, put us in here. I did agree to marry you. So wait, wait, what? Oh, that's not what you're talking about. No, oh. no, it's, we should talk about that later. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm happily married to you. So are we on any social media? Yeah. Um, is there anything that happens there? Is there any reason why we do that? Like, do you get any traffic? Yeah, there's some traffic. Um, and so there is a relevant recovery radio Facebook page. There's an Instagram page and Facebook frequently likes to block our posts uh, because we want to help people. Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird because of their algorithm. It's not even real people that you should post it like a victim message and then they'll totally like. What do you call it when they Some blow it up? Some sort of like self-indulgent, self-righteous, yes. self-love stuff. Just, and then they'll just boost the crap out of it. They're yes. like, oh, we love this. It'll be the biggest podcast but ever. But if I say, hey, do you want to stop doing drugs? I get blocked if I spell out the word drugs. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> really, we are in a mad, mad world right now. 
like so you have to put like asterisks instead of like the vowels on like drugs and alcohol and really weird stuff. I tried to share a Carl Jung post once. Oh, and, he's evil. And, he's, he was like in the Fifth Reich or something. Oh, wait, no. No, he was, he was one a of the f- wonderful psychiatrist that <laughs> helped a lot of people. Foremost psychologists of our time still. And the picture of Carl Jung, he was smoking an old-fashioned cigar pipe, like a mm-hmm. like a pipe. I don't know what you call it. Big English pipe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that went against their community standards, and they blocked my whole post because of that Carl Jung image. So, way to go, Facebook. You're stupid. There's so many things I could say right now, but I don't want to do it. But anyways, if you happen to be on Facebook like I am, uh, you know, then you can follow Relevant Recovery Radio or Instagram. Really, I just share weekly posts and I propose questions to the community. Maybe there's topics you'd like us to do. Maybe you have feedback about topics we've already done. Or maybe you just have questions about uh, addiction and recovery of any sort. You can message me through those pages. And the Matthews Hope Foundation also has a LinkedIn page if you want to follow them. So I don't know about your week, but here's what I got going on. I, you know, here's the funny thing. I was going to say, hey, so how's your week? But I don't, I don't really care. Uh, well, uh, apparently I, really just... I have to listen to yours. <laughs> I don't really care either. Why, why do I have to listen to your week? You know, I was thinking about it on the drive over You're here. You're so like, selfish. We do live our lives in a pseudo-seeking mode. You know, yep. it ebbs and flows. In and hey, out. look, it's a commercial for Sattva. Oh, our, that bed is still amazing. I know. I'm really happy we got that fourth or we're, fifth We're still mattress. not sponsored by Sattva. Hint, hint, Sattva. Sattva, but, you can reach out to me anytime. <clears throat> we love your mattresses. Yeah, we really do. Um, But there's always something constantly going on if I'm self-aware mm-hmm. that I need to be seeking God on or that I need to be working on or whatever. And this week, it really seems to be, here's what's hit home, is that I've got these managers above me, as everybody does that's in the corporate world, and not my manager, but there's one above that I have a lot of issue dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I'm g- trying to get to the bottom of what that is, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's a lot of fear. It seems like it might be some necessary or needed or sought-out validation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, that's what I've been looking at this week is how do I react to this person and why do I react in such an emotional way? So you know me and for the general part of my life, I don't really curse and I'm, my whole behavior is really different than what it was a year, two, three years ago. Yeah. But he can bring it out in me. Yeah, I saw that. And, and it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. And so this week I've really been kind of not, I can't say I'm changing my behavior, but I'm, I'm examining it. You're at least trying to look of, for awareness of yeah. it. What's going on? What yeah. is this? Because here's what I've become aware of is that, um, you know, just as it was with you and I in the past and things like that, is that I, if I'm not aware, then I'm going to tell you that this is all him. It has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. But if that were the truth, then I wouldn't react. Right. He wouldn't be able to get a rise out of me. I wouldn't be emotional. I wouldn't be angry. I wouldn't be in fear. None of that would happen. Yeah. And so that's what I'm starting to look at is get get inside and see what's going on in me. Why am I disturbed? Why am I allowing it to affect me? Why am I allowing him to get in the driver's seat and drive my emotions? Yeah, other people should, it shouldn't matter really what other people do. They shouldn't have the power or ability to make you dysregulated. Like mm-hmm. in my lineage, we have a saying that um, uh, like unmanageability on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Like you shouldn't be able to make me panic. You shouldn't be able to get like, a reflective uh, reaction out of me. I should have a cool, calm response no matter how you behave. You can't make me do something. 100%. Except so when you make me hit you. Well, you, we'll talk about that when we come back. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about self-honesty, being able to see yourself in an honest light. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. 
Welcome back. <laughs> Irrelevant Recovery Radio. <laughs> we're your hosts. Heather and Donnie Moe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about Well, yeah, because that's that's sort of where this topic spawned is that I'm dealing with some people in my spiritual life, people that I'm mentoring, sponsoring, what do you, you want to say, where I try to show them their truth because outside of me, like if you look at me, you can see my truth way better than I can. Yeah, yeah. So let's define and some so topics. I, but when I was having this issue at work. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see it. I couldn't. And I had to like step back and be honest about my behavior and go, wait a minute, if the spiritual axiom is true and the spiritual axiom is that it, every time I'm disturbed, the problem, problem is, is in you. me. That's I right. believe that. You're on fire. <laughs> I just... Did you have any cocaine cold brew? <laughs> Not yet. Y'all, I got this picture uh, where we make our own cold brew. Without cocaine, just specify. Yeah, yeah, I just call it cocaine cold brew because that's what I feel like right now. And Heather and I did a podcast with a friend of ours. She did a two-part series, um, and it's on Spotify. And reach out on social media if you want to see it. I think it's called Southern Soul Chats or something Southern like that. Southern Soul Chats. Or call to... Well, anyways, anyways, the, the first episode was great, and we each took turns talking. The like a sec- conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second episode, I had gotten this cold brew jug and drank about half of it on our way there. Which I did not know. And so I got <laughs> stuck in a room with you and two mic- three microphones, um, and you would not shut up. You wouldn't let me tell my side of anything and, and we left that that day you were so angry and i'm I like so annoyed i'm like you. you were and this was also when you were having a bad weekend anyways and yeah. i and i was like this that's not true it's not anyways i listened to that episode <laughs> and i remember coming in the house and i laid down on the episode and i was like i'm sorry sorry <laughs> i totally I, did that you interrupted me a whole lot anyways no but i want to talk about definitions so people know what we're talking about today we're talking about self-honesty but what that really is is like awareness or acknowledgement of my own character defects and mm-hmm. then like the flip is true if if i am in self-delusion then I'm in denial or unaware of my defects Mm. and so we're going to talk about different ways that manifests and how growth and change can be possible Um, but I really did not have the ability to see myself and I still think to this day even though I think I'm pretty self-aware now (laughs) um, because I went through some different self-awareness episodes in my sobriety i uh, I got my hand up i Um, still think i'm at the tip of the little bitty iceberg of really understanding and seeing myself i'd like to verify that you are correct with what you have no self-awareness at times okay thanks (laughs) (laughs) i don't think either anyone does no i I know there are times where you can't see you there was times where i can't see 100 and so what i want as we describe this i really want to encourage our listeners to think how does this apply to my own life to your life listeners um because this applies to everyone, even whether you're in recovery or not. Every human on the planet. Every human on the planet. Um, I think all people are painfully unaware of themselves and completely oblivious to it. And the reason it matters is because if I want to improve as a spiritual being, if I want my spiritual walk to improve, then I have to be honest about who I really am. I have to be honest about my buffoonery. There's yeah. no way around it. Yeah. And so I want to kind of start diving into with you, Donnie, like a couple different examples of what self-delusion might look like in someone. Mm, Let's hear it. You go first. You want like my own or just some of the stuff we had talked about? Like there's some examples. There's uh, spiritual cherry picking. What do you mean by spiritual cherry picking? Um... So I did this prior to, I'm a Christian today, but prior to becoming a Christian, I believed in everything. Mm-hmm. Not one specific thing. Or nothing. Thing. I didn't go <laughs> out on a limb. you've talked about being atheist too. 
Right. And so what I believed in is like I, I met, I read a book called by a guy named Khalil Gibran, who was a, a Muslim in Turkey. And I read um, things on Buddhism. I read the 12 steps in Buddhism. I, what I did is I went through each belief and I cherry picked what I wanted mm -hmm. and therefore felt superior to anyone who was in one specific. Right. What I couldn't see is that I'm literally just virtue signaling the world and be like, well, listen, you follow that, but I follow all of it. <laughs> and yeah. I wasn't able to see that I wasn't actually following a spiritual path at all. At all. <clears throat> right? And so in my mind, because I'm able to quote seven different spiritual paths. You think you're spiritual. And I wasn't applying any of it. I wasn't able to see that I really wasn't on a spiritual walk at all. I yeah. was just able to quote some really good stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, you I know, like the virtue signaling aspect of, uh, self delusion. Explain that to me. Like, because there's so many different ways our society does that, but I'll just say, especially like social media or whatever. Um, there's so many different angles where people will like post or frame their picture with certain things. And it's like, there's so much self delusion that, oh, I'm a good person if I do this, or I'm mm -hmm. a better person if I post that I'm doing this, you know? And it's just. But what, what makes it harmful to self honesty? Because you're not really able to see how, how defective you still are. So you're like not every, addressing any of your own You're not defects. addressing the things that you need to address. Um, instead, you're trying to prop yourself up with a crutch of some other way that people will see you in a positive way so you temporarily feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm guilty of doing things like that at times. And it's one example for me of a example of self-delusion is after high school, of course, I really believed, so this is a delusion, mm -hmm. is that I would be happy if I just got married and have kids. Mm -hmm. Or I would be happy if I just bought my own house and didn't live with my parents anymore, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'd make all those things happen. But I'm, let's fast forward 17 years and I'm twice divorced <laughs> this is before i got on drugs okay okay um but i remember looking back after my first fifth step and writing inventory on ex-husband number one and writing inventory on my parents and writing inventory on ex-husband number two and i just remember the gravity of oh my gosh this is who i am this is who i've been because i always just blamed them he didn't ever keep a job, or he was never around, or he didn't love me enough, or he didn't pay enough attention, or he didn't make, make enough money, or he didn't love my kids enough, whatever. So you didn't have a mirror looking at your defects at all. I had no mirror. And when I went through the process of the fifth step, four or five, I just remember the gravity of being like, I'm so controlling. I'm so negative. I bark orders at people. I'm always I'm always taking someone else's inventory. I'm constantly thinking about what you're doing wrong, not me. And and it was a painful realization to swallow those large chunks of truth about myself. And I think that someone's ability to even have awareness because listeners, everybody listening to the show, you can't just decide to be self-aware. You can't you can't apply yourself better. <laughs> you can't just show up better. There's there's something. Um, what we have found is that you need it, a power outside yourself. And there's a path to get to the power. And for us, it was the twelve steps. But there's other paths. But what I'm saying is, is mm, someone's ability to even be willing 
to seek that path, to seek awareness of self, knowing how uncomfortable that process is going to be. The driving force usually has to come from somewhere else. People people don't just wake up one morning and say, hey, I want to go through a painful process to find out how screwed up of a human I am. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it usually is a flip of another switch, which kind of goes back to the virtue signaling is people want to learn and research and be well read and quote this and think they know everything. Mm -hmm. But really, you got to strip it down back to self of like, I can look at my here's a deal. Someone's ability to take a look at this without running the other way is directly correlated to their willingness to hear truth about themselves. Which, it, it, which it, is rare it, yeah. in most people. I mean, and hey, then you have the issue of like constantly seeking validation from others. Oh, yeah. Right? Men seeking validation from women. Women seeking validation from men. Seeking validation from social media posts. Seeking accolades. Seeking Pause degrees. right there. What was the, the literature quote that you wanted to quote? Remember it was on like page 25? Yeah. Uh, While you're looking that up, I will speak on the... Um, do it. The social media side of seeking validation as a woman who sponsors other women in the 12 steps it's it's animal on social media you're you're not but i really do notice uh, people that constantly post selfies or constantly mm-hmm. tag themselves at this event or with this person or i'm delivering meals on wheels or whatever you know and it's like i'm so glad you're doing those things um but Ready? i yeah what's the quote There is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. And so this falls into recovery specifically, but we'll talk about it from another angle after this quick break. Are we going to get into some solution? Maybe. I'm excited. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back (laughs) with Relevant Recovery Radio. Love it so much. I'm sorry. (laughs) Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Today, we are talking about self-honesty and the importance, if you want to grow, the importance in being able to see who you are and and your defects of character or your sins or whatever you want to call it for real. Because I think that, yeah, it's not fun, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the leveling of your pride process and things like that. But um, on the other side of it, when you're able to take a look at you, self um, and realize that, hey, man, this isn't like a self-deprecating or self-loathing experience. This is like we're human and we're flawed and nobody is perfect. But let me ask you something, though. So we've we've talked about sort of what does delusion look like? When we talk about delusion, the delusion is, is that everybody else is broken, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And then we talk about uh, spiritual cherry picking. We talk about virtue signaling, constantly changing externals. We talk about because that's what I want to talk about for a second. The constantly changing externals because you think the externals are the problem and not self. Mm. And so everybody that's listening can look like in my own life. Some of my examples are I've changed states, I've changed husbands, I've changed careers. You know, constantly and, seeking something outside of yourself, something so in the for, physical world to find happiness, to find peace, to find inner contentment. Yeah. And what I didn't realize for a long time is that I was the common denominator in all of my life's problems mm-hmm. and situations. And I'm like, Holy crap, man. Uh, so so basically what this is, is it's a protection. It's a shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not 
able to see or not willing to see. Then you get to stay a victim and you're just going to keep changing your life and reinventing yourself. And and so the defense may be through spiritual cherry picking or virtue signaling that I'm using that as a, hey, look how good I am mm-hmm. to hide the defects. Yeah. And by the way, all of these, nobody is doing this nefariously. Right. Nobody's that's doing this what, on that's purpose. That's the point I was trying to make is this isn't like because you're a crap person, you know? Right, right. This, this is, is just, like, let's take a look at truth. What is, is truth? It's natural human deflection, natural human um, defense. And, and so it's either, well, hold on. So it's either like... I'm going to do these good things to hide the bad or because I'm not willing to look at the bad. Or I'm going to focus on these outside things so that I don't have to look at the bad. Right. I think that and you and I have sponsored and helped a lot of people, you know. And I don't know if this is true for your experience, but in my experience, the people that are newly sober or with less time are much more receptive to truth as far as like character defects and stuff. Just in my experience, I've sponsored a lot of people with a lot more time mm, than me. I think it's 50-50. I'm just saying my experience then um, that people with a lot more time. I think at the fifth step, if we're going to get real specific, uh-huh. I think when they sit down and they read through all of their garbage, mm-hmm. they're the most receptive at that point because they have had to look at their own truth and they didn't have a choice. Yeah. But I think the ego is an amazing rebuilding thing. And I think as soon as they walk out of that room, mm-hmm. the ego begins to rebuild and their defenses the why, come then. back. In my experience, people with more time are oftentimes more delusional thinking they don't have the character defects that their inventory showed. Mm-hmm. Like they wrote the inventory, but they're like, no, that's not me, <laughs> you know, right. or this was me 15 years ago. And I'm like, but you're still not perfect. So let's take a look at now, you know, but I think that. Right. But you still are uncomfortable, but you still are not content. But. but yeah. You're still unhappy, bro. Let's take a look. Yeah. You know? But I think that you're right. I think that that doesn't necessarily matter the length of sobriety, but it goes back to pride and ego for that, for that to be that delusional. Because pride and ego can also be used as a defense. Again, oh, of course. we don't even know it. It's just operating in the background. Mm-hmm. All right. So <clears throat> I think between the two of us, mm-hmm. both spiritually broken people, people that have come from a spiritually desolate place at one time or another in our lives we've both done this yeah right Uh, maybe not all of it you and all of it me but between the two of us we have spiritually cherry-picked we've virtue signaled we've changed all of our externals we've constantly sought validation from others from social media from accolades from accomplishments and to to, all of this to cover up what we're really doing on the inside or our behavior or what's really going on. Because what we're taught is to really pause instead of looking at where you live or who you live with or what the externals are. What we're taught is to really start having some reflection and awareness of self. How do I show up? How does a conversation with that person make me feel? How do I want to respond to them? How, how lazy do I am I inside or I don't want to answer that I don't that's inconvenient I don't want to be inconvenienced you know right. and it's like the weird paradox about this is when I'm willing to take a look at myself I, I was told early on and I don't know what sort of 12-step quote person this comes from but it says if I want to be free the problem has to be me well because I can't a- do anything about other people I can only do some spiritual work in myself. And that's something that we tell people all the time. I've been hearing it in the rooms for 10 years. Mm-hmm. People that want to keep pointing the finger outwards, somebody will finally look at them and say, bro, if you're not the problem, there is no solution. Mm-hmm. 
Because what that what it is saying is that I can't solve anything external of me. The only thing I can do is a spiritual walk, a spiritual practice, some actions, mm-hmm. and hope that God can solve it in me. So if I'm not the problem, mm-hmm. then you're really in trouble. But I think that this because is... then you then you're a victim, and we just know for yeah. <laughs> like that's just not true. But we know that's not true. But society at large doesn't, right? Society at large is like oh my gosh, over therapized, right? And so yeah. everybody's ta- even in like rehab treatment. Okay, what's the treatment? Oh, change people, places, and things. Oh, get a geographical fix. Oh, leave that guy or get a different job. All they preach is external changes. And I'm like, bro, we're on the wrong path. Right, because if you leave the girl, there you are. If you leave the place, there you are. If you avoid the playgrounds, the playmates, and the playthings, there you still are. Because the problem is always in us. I was told, Heather, wherever you go, there you are. And you're your problem. You're going to get loaded again. You're going to be miserable again. Like, Well, and by the way, this... You know, I, God allowed me to walk through a desert of debauchery in my life yeah. to, I think, prepare me to help others with the same stuff. And so I have suffered gluttonous eating. I was really, really fat, 340 pounds at one time. But I like what you mentioned I, about that. You said when when you were that big, that you I had, had no, no idea. idea you were that big. I had no idea. Look, I, I may step on the scale. I avoided the scale, by the way. I didn't want to look at it. But I would see fat people around me, and I would be like, oh, my God, look at that. And finally, I had somebody in my life that cared more about my health and my life than my feelings go, you're fatter than that person. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, do, you not, do you not know how big you are? And the truth of the matter is I you didn't. didn't. And that's what we're talking about of like self, a lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And not just with weight, but I'm just saying like with issues with sex, with issues with shopping, with issues with drugs all and alcohol, of all, any of it. All of those are external things that I am overusing to try and compensate for the discontented feeling inside of me, for the, mm-hmm. the, the no peace, the not being okay in my own skin. And so as we look back through our own journeys, you and I, you've been on this journey for seven years. I'm on this journey for 10. Like, I believe that we are fairly self-aware. We still fall prey to not being self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. Hence my practice this week at work and really looking at my reactions and why I'm doing I want to share a quick story. It just popped in my mind when you said that. So, so our listeners that listen to this show regularly probably get a sense for our banter and our dynamics and how alpha we both are. Mm, we are. And I think... We are only partially aware of how alpha we are. But do you remember when we met those other people and we went to that uh, thing, that event with them, and they were uh, 20 years older than us, a married couple. And after we finally got away from them and we got back in the car to finally (gasps) leave them. Oh, yeah. You and I go, oh, my God, that's us. (laughs) Okay, and what we recognized immediately is they didn't shut up. They didn't shut up. Every time we would begin to speak, they interrupted us. Mm -hmm. They dominated the entire night. They were completely uninterested in a conversation with us. It was all about them. It was all about what they knew and what they've done and that they're, they've had. And we literally had to stop and look at our own life and go, if we don't do something about this, that's us. Yeah. After we escaped that, that time with them and we got alone in the car, I said, Donnie, that's us. We got to change this. Right. We got to make sure that when we hang out with people, that's not how we make them feel. And I think we still do from time to time. On accident, yes. We're, we're extra, but I think it's much better. So over the last seven years... So we do believe that what you have to do is develop some humility through humiliation. Yeah. Right? And you also need people in your life to point these things out and hold you accountable. I needed people that loved me 
uh, and loved for my health more than my feelings. And we have that saying in the 12 steps too, is we have to care more about your life than your feelings. Mm-hmm. Your feelings are not truth. Your feelings are not fact. And they Well, are right, t- because if I care about your feelings, I'll let you keep going what you're doing. You're going to end up drinking again or you're going to go do some drugs, do some fentanyl and you're dead. Which I think like, is the huge literal. problem with all uh, affirming therapies today. It's like affirming things doesn't cure or help anything. we right. got to look at some truth. Right. We got to look how to fix this, you know. Um, and so I'm real grateful. I've had some amazing sponsors throughout my sobriety and other spiritual advisors and other people and friends and, you know, sisters that God has just put in my life to like be like, Heather, take a look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the beauty is, is like, even though it's uncomfortable to hear at the time and sometimes I get upset and I'm like, I don't like that they said that about me. That's mm-hmm. not true. Um, but if I'm really pause then i'm like oh crap it's true (laughs) right a hundred (laughs) percent so when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about why humility through humiliation that that breaking down of the ego we're going to talk about willingness and character building don't going to be right back with relevant recovery radio Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your host, non-defective Donnie and defective Heather. <laughs> you know what, though? Here's well, the hold thing. on. Uh-huh. I'm going to listen to you, but I'm going to listen to you humbly. Go ahead. You can't fake humility, Donnie. <laughs> Number one, I like this quote. I don't know where I heard it or read it. but it Is this says, the one you told me to write down because yeah. you wanted to make sure you said it? I wanted to make sure that everybody wants to be clothed in power, but nobody wants to be stripped of self. This is the and quote. Say it again. Everybody wants to be clothed in power, but nobody wants to be stripped of self. Ooh, can you unpack that? And it's like... Because it has to do with humility, right? It does. Very much has to do with humility. It has to do with self-honesty. It has to do with self-awareness. It has to do with self-delusion. It's like, <clears throat> I want to be a good person, or I want to be a wonderful I, wife. Or I, I want I, you to as well. I know. You know. I'm going to have to be patient. Okay. <laughs> um, well, whoever you are that's listening to the yeah. show, you yeah. have wants and desires, right? Of we what, want to be loved. We want to we, be we wanted. We want to have security. We want to, we yeah. want to procreate. We want to have families. We want to be in relationships and mm-hmm. friends and whatever. And I'm just saying, like, if everybody's so focused on their destination, what mm-hmm. they want, what they deserve, what they need, their life plans, you know, it's like you want power to execute that. <clears throat> you want to be given talent. You want to be given um favor you want to be given blessings you want to be given what you want a good mate a good partner a good job whatever but it's like in order to really get those things what we've learned with the the spiritual angle is you really got to be stripped of self right and i'm not saying that egomaniac narcissistic people can't climb to the top of the corporate ladder of course they can they'll never find happiness or never truly be happy so how do you do that then what? How have you done that over the last seven years? How have you stripped away the pride and ego? How have you staved mm. it off when it wants to crop its head again? How have you been able to get to a place where today you are fairly self-aware? I'm, a, I'm affirming you. I live with you. I know you. And you're fairly self-aware. There's We all fall into moments of delusion, but you're fairly quick to go, Ugh, okay, this feels gross. This is not like what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know why... Um. I don't know why I got so close to God or spiritually early I told you, on in my you sobriety. You are an anomaly. But, um, You're an anomaly. 
I grew up in a household that favored absolute truth, and I just grew up from a small age on was your da- I could see that your dad absolute being... truth is a thing. There is an absolute right. There's an absolute wrong. There is no gray area, Heather. You know, Mor- morality is not relative, right? And um, and so, like getting sober, there was still things that I was behaving defectively in, like my sex conduct or money or things like that, right? And it, as long as you didn't mix the two, we're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not to my memory. But anyways, um, it didn't sit right. And I just knew I wasn't going to get to stay sober and continue that self-centered behavior. And so that's what I mean. I wanted it to be clothed in power. I wanted God to give me the power to stay happy and sober and useful and hopefully help other people. Um, but I knew I had to be stripped of self I knew I couldn't continue to entertain those guys. I knew I couldn't continue to use money that way or for those things. I knew I couldn't continue to be dishonest or steal my roommate's shampoo in the shower. But in order to like, do that, you had to build character. And in order to build character, which is doing things I don't want to do. That's yeah. just the plain and simple explanation There's of this, it. I, you had to be willing. So what created that willingness? I don't think to do I the created. Th- I have no idea. It was supernatural given, given to me. I have okay. no idea. Why, why that occurred. Because you've never had it before. Never had it before. Okay. Um, and. <sighs> so what did you do then? Here's the, here's the idea that popped in my mind early on. God said, not audibly, just in my, my gut, my consciousness. God said, will you please surrender to the authority I've placed over your life? Mm. And I don't, it doesn't even matter. All of our listeners that are listening to this show, it doesn't matter what your scenario is. Mine happened to be in sober living at 34 years old, but I'm not specifically talking about that. Right. Whatever position you're in, God's saying, will you please surrender to the authority I've placed over you? Mm-hmm. You're in that position for a reason. I'm trying to teach you something. Mm-hmm. And f- so for my example, I was in sober living at 34 years old, but I'd owned a home for 10 years before. You don't need to tell me to do a chore. You don't need to give me a curfew. You don't, I, Are you kidding me? Right. And so I really had to be like, okay, it's not about the rules. It's about being stripped of self. Get over yourself, Heather. Stop trying to arrange an outcome. Submit to the sober house authority for God. For God. And so early on, I built a habit of making my bed for God or cleaning my house for God or honoring the curfew for God. It wasn't for the sober house manager. Um, I understood the spiritual price I was going to pay for not doing it for God. <laughs> and I understood the spiritual benefit that was possible of if I did it for God. And I've carried that attitude into the next seven years in 12-step world. You want to know what is um, a little humiliating and definitely ego deflating? There have been a few times in our life together in our marriage where I am talking to my sponsor or talking to a friend and I am a hundred percent like convinced that you're the problem. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a few times. Awesome. Convinced that you are the problem. Yeah. But I get in enough pain. I become willing. I'm willing to walk through that character building process of maybe working some steps around it, doing some soul searching, some some inventory, some honest viewing of my own defectiveness. Yeah. (laughs) And what really upsets me is that we have come out of some periods. There was last August, August a year ago, we couldn't get through a few days without an argument. And I was just sure you were the problem. (laughs) I did some work around it. I did some spiritual work around it. I did some some real mirror viewing time and looking at me and through the actions, God changed me in some things, right? 
I used to yell at you a lot when we would argue, right? I would yell at you. I mean, I would curse you. Yeah. Uh, and I asked you the other day, I said, when was the last time? And you don't remember. I can't remember the last time you yelled at me. That wasn't me showing up better or changing myself. It was me sort of surrendering mm-hmm. to a spiritual process. Yeah. Seeking God, admitting my faults. And here's the thing that <laughs> this is the humiliation. That's the one thing I noticed wait, that wait, you did wait. a lot back then when this started was what? that you started coming directly to me and confessing your mistakes. I had to. I had to make amends immediately. That's what our 12 steps say. And I hadn't been doing that. Yeah. And I had to do it. I had to say, you know what? I, I, you didn't deserve that. I shouldn't have raised my voice at you. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I had to start doing that. But you did that for a little bit, and all of a sudden you didn't even yell at me anymore. Because it, it was humiliating. Yeah. I didn't want to keep making amends for the same thing, and it was really making it clear to me that I had a problem. Mm. But anyways, we get through all of that. This is sort of that humiliation aspect. We get through all of it. And this year has been blissful with you. Mm-hmm. And actually... We reversed roles a little bit in that this year you've gone through some periods where you've been stressed. Now, you handle your stress way differently than I do. Mm-hmm. With heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> but, but there have been times when you are short with me or you're whatever, like the way you handle it. Yeah, and, like when you have four cold brews and you're really annoying. And, and in the old days, I would have then reacted and yelled. Oh, I would have reacted. Yes. But this year, I have become the support. This year, I have become the calm in the storm. This yeah. and, and and it's not because of anything I did except the I've, self-seeking. I've noticed the spiritual uh, uh, shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you really trying to be more calm and cool and collected? And and here's the deal: people don't want to take personal responsibility for their lives. But but the point is, is the delusion that I was in is that you were the problem. Right, and that's always the delusion. Everybody that's listening, look at your life. The person that you think is the problem. If you're not holding up a mirror to yourself, you're wrong. Correct. Correct. It's a <laughs> that's, spiritual. That's what we're talking about. If you take anything away from this show, remember this. <laughs> it's a spiritual axiom. Yeah. It, that means spiritual opposites. It's a spiritual axiom that every single time I am disturbed, the problem is in me. Yeah. Why am I disturbed? Why am I not neutral? You know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, to, to put a pretty bow on it, I was just sure you were the problem. And, but once I did the work, once I looked at myself, honestly, once I started asking God for the guidance, the power, mm-hmm. things started to change. Right. And now we're through it. And I go, well, Heather hasn't changed at all, <laughs> and we're, but we're not fighting. So it must've been me the whole time. Maybe it's the Sattva mattress. Oh, it just really makes everything better. <laughs> I'm getting real sleep nowadays. You want to say anything before we get out of here? Um, you know, I just really appreciate the conversation that, like, I, I hope we're able to help some people and they can take a look at some things that might be similar in their life because I promise you, like, self-awareness is key and you can't just snap your fingers and decide to be self-aware. And so I do want to say if you or a loved one needs any information about Matthew's Hope, please please give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. And don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. We're so thankful that you listened to our show this week. Come back next week for more Relevant Recovery Radio. Hashtag God, though.